It's Thursday. You know what that means. It's crossover day here at Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Eagles, Lockdown Dolphins, Tua, Jalen, Mike McDaniel, Nick Sirianni, a battle of the two better offenses in the NFL, joined by Kyle Krabs. We'll get into it right after this. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code all lowercase NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm Gino Camilleri, host of your everyday Lockdown Eagles podcast, delivering five episodes each and every week. And as I said on the intro, it is crossover Thursday. And with no further ado, let's get right into it with Kyle Krebs from Locked On Dolphins. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It is crossover time. Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Eagles, Gino, Camilleri, Kyle Krabs, Locked On, e- uh, Locked On Dolphins. And we are previewing Sunday night football. Dolphins at Eagles, two five and one football teams with big time aspirations uh, for this upcoming season and further down the road. So, Gino, uh, Eagles coming off a loss. Uh, kind of curious from your perspective, Philadelphia. What's the talking points right now in, in Birdland as far as that loss to the Jets and trying to bounce back this week at home? I think the talking point has kind of been the same thing the first six weeks. It's like, what's going on with offensive coordinator Brian Johnson? And in Philadelphia, if you follow this team long enough, it's a flat circle of things that occur within this organization. And in 2018, coming off of a Super Bowl run, Frank Reich was hired away from the Philadelphia Eagles. So is John Filippo. And in comes Mike Groh, former wide receivers coach. And the offense is sputtering and everybody's saying, what is going on in Philly? Well, here we are in 2023, coming off of a Super Bowl where your offensive coordinator goes to the Colts. Very reminiscent of Frank Reich. And now you're here with Brian Johnson, where you're next to last in the NFL when it comes to red zone offense. You're in the bottom third of that category. And when it comes to turning over the football, because Jalen Hurts is in these situations where they don't make it easy on this offense. I know in Miami, and we'll talk about it, motion is just an everyday thing for you guys. The Eagles run motion. I went through 250 plays. I'm not kidding you and charted every single play, only 19 times did they motion a man across the formation. So things on offense just, they don't seem to be easy. It doesn't seem to be a rhythm. It's either we get an explosive play or it's death by a thousand cuts. And when they do these death by a thousand cuts and you have to be efficient, they're not punching it in in the red zone. And going against Miami, I said this on our show yesterday, it feels like field goals are going to be a loss of a drive. You have to punch in seven every single time. And I think it comes down to the, unification of Nick Sirianni getting a hold on what he wants his identity on offense to be with Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts. Because frankly, without Jalen, without AJ, you don't win anything. But without that synchronicity on offense, you're going to run into these events where you had last week where after those 14 points you put up on offense against the Jets, you sputtered the rest of the game. It's really the first 15 plays look great. 
And then after that, it's kind of shooting from the hip, and that hasn't been the greatest approach so far for Brian Johnson. And I'm glad you you kind of mentioned the two ways in which Philadelphia has been able to scratch out wins. And obviously they've been able to put some points on the board and stretches, but you mentioned explosive plays. And I'm, I'm kind of curious because so much of this passing offense runs through four guys right now, right? With AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, uh, Dallas Goddard, and then DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. I think those are the only guys on the roster with more than like nine receptions in totality on, on the roster right now. What's the DNA of explosive plays look like for Philadelphia? Because that's something that Miami's been very cognizant of trying to take away, uh, but it has come at the expense of the death by a thousand paper cuts against some of the better offenses that they face this season. Well, I kind of find it funny that over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a, a cover six deep dive and yep. everything comes from Fanjo. And here we are with Sean Desai, who is off of the tree of Fanjo. And there's two schools. There's the Staley approach where it's more of that penny front five and one or the Fanjo approach, which we see here in Philadelphia. And it's the same thing. Like they don't want anything to get behind them. They're going to give you a different look each and every way. And the way I look at it is in new England and going against Flores in Minnesota, it's not the cover six approach, but it's very zone heavy where they want to take that away. So the identity is that they are trying to stretch the field with AJ Brown and Devonte Smith which is a double-edged sword because if you look at the tape last week, there's a play where AJ is running a nine route and it's supposed to be the clear route. He doesn't even think the ball's coming his way. And something that has kind of been a tendency is they gear down their routes towards the end. Jalen Hurts puts that ball up there and it's about a yard in front of AJ Brown. So these plays where they're trying to take the top off, it isn't really an air raid approach where we're looking deep first. They want to target those intermediate areas, but a lot of the deep plays come from Jalen Hurts going off of schedule, the pocket kind of breaking down, and A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith getting deep. But if you find somebody deeper than them, much like the Jets did last week, that's the approach to go and win the football game. But if they don't get the ground game going, where they also have success with explosive plays in terms of DeAndre Swift on the ground, Jalen Hurts hasn't been the most efficient runner, but when DeAndre runs it, like you said, he's one of the four guys. But if it's not through those four, as you see with the Julio Jones signing coming in, they haven't had anything. Quez Watkins hasn't been a shell of his 2021 self. Olamide Zacchaeus is good for what he is. I think he's a better four than he is truly a three. But now you're going to see, hopefully, an addition to this offense that lightens the burden of Devontae and A.J. Brown. As good as A.J.'s been, I mean, he's on a historic pace in Eagles franchise history through four games. So it really is through A.J. getting it in the intermediate areas, making a guy miss, and then taking it to the house after that or getting some big explosive plays because the screen game hasn't been efficient for them. DeAndre Swift has been subbed out for Kenny Gainwell at times on big third downs. And just personnel usage is, is really strange in this offense. And like I said earlier, they don't make it easy. So the guys that can win one-on-one -on -one matchups, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, are the guys that are getting the football. Yeah. Uh, from Miami's side of things coming into this game, I think there's probably two primary storylines that – have been very prominent all week long. Uh, one of them is strength of schedule for the Dolphins, and you can only play the games as they come up on your schedule, but Miami's sitting at 5-1, and one, and you know, wins against the Chargers maybe didn't look as impressive as it did when the season started with what we thought that football team was, and, and the New England Patriots have really crumbled over the course of the past month, so that was Philadelphia's week one opponent is Miami's week two opponent, and I think the Patriots were ready to hang a banner to say, well, we, we almost beat the Patriots, or we almost beat the Eagles and the Dolphins in weeks yep. one and two, and, and their season has really gone off the rails. Miami put 70 on Denver. 
They play Buffalo. They lose by four touchdowns. Now, there were some players that were missing on both sides of the ball for that game that for Miami, probably not enough to make up a four-touchdown di discrepancy. But people are kind of looking and say, okay, that's great. Last two weeks, you played the Panthers and the Giants. Well, you're going to Philadelphia to play the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Like, that's a really big opportunity for this football team when you had that in week four and you lost by four touchdowns on the road in Buffalo. So I, I, that is definitely one of the things for Miami is, is looking at. And Javon Holland did a local radio spot, and he he already came out this week and said, I, we would, I would be lying if I said this was just another game on the schedule because we realize how good this football team is in Philadelphia, how big the opportunity is, the magnitude of the game this team played in the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, it, we, we want to take this opportunity for what it is and come prepared. And they, it felt like they didn't do that against Buffalo in week four. So I'm really fascinated to see what the bounce back is going to be in that regard. And then the other one is that connection with Vic Fangio and that Dolphins defense where they've played two high-level quarterbacks thus far this season between Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. And both of those teams had a lot of success moving the football against this Dolphins defense as it has been trying to, to fully grasp this shift to this Fangio ideology as compared to the Belichicki and Brian Flores defense that they've ran the past three seasons. And uh, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who can be two with his legs, uh, who can get outside of structure and win, that's been something Miami has struggled with at times in spite of the fact that they are first in the league in quarterback hits and they're tied for third in the league in sacks through six weeks. Like they've gotten after opposing quarterbacks, but as they've been learning all of the communication that's required to pass off these routes based off of leverage and releases, it, it has created these challenges where even if the pressure's there, not there, it's not necessarily consistently syncing up on the back end. And you're looking at that coming into this week where you have two perimeter wide receivers and a tight end who can all beat you in the passing game. And you start doing the math and asking yourself, okay, we got to be on top of our stuff here. And you haven't necessarily seen that from them in their early tests. So had a couple weeks of separation. We'll see what this week brings. But I think those are the two things for Miami that you look at uh, coming into this game. And they're kind of top of mind for Dolphins fans everywhere. You could come host Locked on Eagles with those exact points because it's the exact <laughs> same thing. In Philadelphia right now, we're at the point where we're signing Josiah Scott off of Pittsburgh's practice squad because yeah. the secondary is so banged up. We don't know the status of Darius Slay yet. We don't know the status of Sidney Brown, your high-profile rookie safety. And we were just talking on our show yesterday. They just waved a player, Mario Goodrich. And a big thing was that communication when they went against Minnesota of passing off those routes, especially in cover six, where you're rotating basically every single play. You'll present those two high shells. You're going to go to a cover three look. And the guys were just not grasping the offense or understanding how to do that on defense. And it feels like you said what we were saying is that there's a bigger fish in the sea. We're saying the same exact thing about the Dolphins right now. It's like, this is a matchup you could be talking about in February, and you want to show up. It's it's an AFC-NFC. It might not count a lot when it comes to tiebreakers and everything, but you want to go out there and compete with one of the best offenses in football, and Jalen Hurts will hold it close to his chest. But if you don't think there's a part of him deep down that wants to get a little bit of, I wouldn't say revenge, but just show out against Tua in that offense – I think this is going to be a fun game come Sunday night, and a lot of points should be scored. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to talk matchups next here on this Crossover Thursday episode here on the Locked On Network, so stick with us. Today's episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, uh, I know, Gino, I'm a big-time subscriber of the idea that you got to look good to play good. I know the Eagles are, too, because they're wearing Kelly Greens on Always. Sunday night. 
I'm devastated the Dolphins aren't wearing their throwbacks, but we are uh, the only thing that, that that could come close to Kelly Green's and Dolphins throwbacks is probably these bird dogs. Uh, bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed for a slimmer fit through the thigh to give you a truly sculpted look. They do the same thing as Lululemon, but they are way more comfortable. They are way more effective. They breathe better. Bird dogs uh, invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but it stretches to give you a slimmer fit. It's not super stuffy and restrictive like cotton shorts are. You can go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter promo code locked on NFL for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Gino, you, you mentioned a few players who may or may not be dressing for this game or you're waiting, playing the waiting game to kind of see how the week unfolds. And the, the Dolphins are in the same boat. And if Connor Williams, the center uh, for the Dolphins on their offensive line, is able to go, he played two weeks ago against the Giants, did not play last week against the Panthers, did not play in week four against the Bills. He's been battling with a groin injury over the course of the past couple of weeks. That's a really big matchup for me when you think about Philadelphia and this interior defensive line. I know Jalen Carter's a little banged up right now himself, but even beyond Jalen Carter, when you think about all of the talent that Philadelphia has up front and a quarterback like Tua, the interior of the pocket is such a critical component of allowing him to see the field. And Carolina actually had a couple opportunities against the backup center, Lee Eikenberg, to get hands up and knock passes down at the line of scrimmage. And, and the Dolphins really hadn't had much of that thus far this season. So as I think about matchups for this game, I would expect Connor Williams with no setbacks. And they said he was dealing with soreness from playing against the Giants. And they felt like the, it, it seemed like they felt like they needed him against Leonard Williams and, and against Dexter Lawrence. I would expect that he will go, but his performance and how close to 100% he is if he does go is going to be one of those key matchups for me that I'm going to be looking for when Miami has the football. I was talking to Lou and I said, I'm looking at Teron Armstead being out of this game as well as one of the big points that you have to look at on the edge with how good the Eagles edges are performing. And then I went right to the center as well. Connor Williams is somebody the Eagles are familiar with, former Cowboy. I mean, mm -hmm. he signs over here and this isn't the game that you would want to be, even if Jalen Carter isn't 100%, he is probably going to play. But on the other end, you want to be 100% going against Jalen Carter. I wouldn't want to be dinged up going against him either. He was going at a defensive rookie of the year pace before he picked up that injury. We'll see how he comes back. I'm intrigued by it because Jordan Davis was similar last year where he was off to a hot start. He picks up an ankle injury and he definitely wasn't 100% and you could see it in his performance. But with that said, Jordan Davis has looked unbelievable this season. He put together a pass rush rep last week where he just got under the pads of the guy in front of him and said, I'm going to pick you up like a vending machine on a dolly and just roll you right into the face of the quarterback. And that's also with Fletcher Cox, who was coming off of an injury. Marlon Tui Pelotu, there's another Pelotu over, Tui Pelotu over in the Chargers who's doing pretty good as well. He was yeah. doing good for the Eagles in limited pass rush reps. Milton Williams is probably not a household name, but he has been unbelievable in replacing these big time guys inside. And we haven't even talked about the edges where Josh Sweat is probably a top 10 player that's not getting the recognition for it. And Hassan Riddick, he's on fire once again. Come to find out that wearing a cast as a pass rusher might have some impact of your ability to clean hands when they're right on your chest. So 
he's been looking good. And I really think that is the matchup. And it's so cliche to say that, but you said it. And Tua, every other quarterback, you get interior pressure and you can keep him within the pocket on the edge by just keeping contained. That's where the Eagles are going to win this game, especially with the banged up secondary. Even if Slay is out there, you're going in a tough matchup with Tyree Kill and Waddle. James Bradbury is not a guy who runs a 4-4. He's a bigger body cornerback. And the guys that they put out behind Reed Blankenship at safety, Terrell Edmonds, Justin Evans, they have not looked good. And Reed Blankenship, I know you love Reed. He's not going to be 100% either. He got smoked on a blindside block last week and goes out with a rib injury. You're talking about, I mean, 75% of your starting secondary to start the year is gone. And in this game, that's not the one that you want to have to go against. And the the interior of the defensive line, they know what they have to do each and every week. It, it's their game to win. And the way the Eagles offense looked last week, the defense did enough to where they shouldn't have to buy dinner for the whole season, in my opinion. Talk to me a little about this Eagles rush defense. And, and obviously with the two first round picks at defensive tackle in the last two years, I know linebacker was a little bit of a question for them coming into the year. They signed a couple vets. I think it was Miles Jack, who's no longer with the team, and Zach Cunningham. They signed like at the eve of the season, the 11th hour, to really just add some more bodies there. But, well, they've given up more than 100 rushing yards once in six games this season. Is that a byproduct of the talents? Is that a byproduct of the game scripts? Is that a byproduct of the offenses that they've been going against and their own respective run schemes and their own respective struggles? Like, how much of the pieces of the pie goes to each because I think as Miami tries to get that pass rush offset, they're probably going to look to run the ball. And I would expect them to probably try to run the ball to the perimeter and utilize their speed and then use some misdirection to try and try and freeze the linebackers and try and get those running backs north outside the numbers. I would say that right now the linebacking position is performing at a rate that I don't think anybody thought was anywhere near plausible this season. Like you said, Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow – both of these guys that were starting in place of N'Kobe Dean while he was injured, both of those guys weren't even on the roster like a week before the season started, mm -hmm. and they have performed very well. Nicholas Morrow put out a three-sack game a couple weeks ago. They aren't complete guys. Cunningham's more of your coverage type of linebacker. He's been good in that area. Morrow is more of the coming downhill. He's going to plug gaps for you. But N'Kobe Dean coming back really has been instrumental. He has been your green dot to start the season, and he looked like the best linebacker on the field last week. And I would say the run game, go outside to the perimeter, as you said. Force these guys on the edge to tackle. I mean, they, they do have some bigger body corners, but Darius Slay isn't a guy who wants to be tackling either Raheem Mostert or, or Devin A. Chain at any point for – 10 to 15 reps a game. Like that's not what he wants to be doing. The interior defensive line has done such a great job at just taking away double teams. Combo blocks just don't work. Jalen Carter can, they're doubling up Jalen Carter at a historic rate and he's defeating these doubles. Same with Jordan Davis. They're defeating these doubles. And then you got to leave Fletcher Cox man on man. And Josh Sweat is a much better run defender than Hassan Reddick is. But Josh Sweat came into the Eagles as a run defender. That's really how he got his legs to be a full-time player. And they've just done a very good job making you play behind the sticks on first and second downs. And they've gone against some formidable rush offenses and just made them just not look good at all. And I think a lot of it stems from last year, where in that Jonathan Gannon defense, 
they got away from their old identity of taking away the run and making you play behind the sticks. And they just got brutalized in that manner. And I think Nick Sirianni's like, we need a guy that's going to come in here and is like, we're going to protect the run first. And then coverage will come second, especially with the personnel. You have so many toys at your disposal. You have to take away that run because you got to get into these long yarded situations to even have a chance with the guys that you have on the field currently. So I want to make sure that we we give the Eagles offense versus Dolphins defense the proper time uh, as far as matchups. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to take a quick break now and then we'll come back. We'll talk Eagles offense, Dolphins defense matchups, and then get into keys to victory for this Sunday night football contest between the five and one Dolphins and the five and one Eagles. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a single $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you like good return on investment, it's hard to beat that as far as your first bet with FanDuel. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. They offer a bevy of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off this NFL season right. We're getting close to the halfway point, so don't miss your opportunity. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And also, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important for you to be prepared. Jace Medical now offers customization for your Jace case With dozens of add-on medications, you can choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Right now, you can go to jacemedical.com, select the medications that are best for you and your family, and then enter promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com. So, Gino, I'll, I'll cede the floor to you here. Philadelphia has the ball. Match up to watch. What you got? I am saying, how are the Eagles going to get back to their identity and run this football? Especially if Jane Lane Johnson, excuse me, is still banged up. If Jack Driscoll is out there, it's going to be even tougher. But the way that they make their hay is that they run the football and they throw the ball at a balanced rate. Jalen Hurts last week, he had 45 pass attempts, and that's not even counting the times that he scrambled. Jalen Hurts, we want to protect him. A big talking point is, oh, he has to run to pick up this late fourth down on fourth and eight. And everybody else is saying, no, we have to protect him. But at the same time, he's a very good pocket passer. So let's just keep him in the pocket and let him do best. And how do you do that? You make Miami think, do we have to defend the run? Do we have to defend the pass? You know, with Vic Fangio, he's going to give you some of these simulated pressure looks. I want to see how they adapt to that. And one way you can just get those guys off their spot is make them think when they have to bounce back, make them think, do I have to now block Lane Johnson coming up to the second level? Or do I have to defend AJ Brown coming in on a dig route right behind me and how they do that? I think they have to get back to their ways of the RPO. The RPO really has helped them out at times especially with limited motion, they're not making defenses think. It's very easy to go out there and just play against the Eagles. If you can win your man-on-man matchups, you probably win the football game. But A.J. Brown is the guy you got to keep your eye on. 
no matter who has been performing, who has been good, bad, A.J. Brown has been performing at a very high rate. You know how good Tyreek Hill is. That's our equivalent. A completely different player, though. He's like a power forward out there. Anybody over the middle that if you're not six foot two and 215 pounds, like good luck trying to tackle this guy. Him and Jalen have a connection that goes beyond the football field. Jalen's actually the godfather to one of A.J. Brown's children. So they hold each other accountable. And there was a little tiff on the sidelines, and everybody's like, oh, A.J. Brown wants the ball more. Yeah, and since then, he's on a four-game stretch that not Terrell Owens, not Harold Carmichael, not Mike Quick, Deshaun Jackson, anybody in Eagles history has ever been on. And they got to throw the football, but it comes through the run first. RPO might be their saving grace in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, and putting Miami in conflict, be interested to see how Philadelphia comes out formationally just because it would, so those simulated pressures, Miami has implemented a lot of them as checks on, against condensed sets and formations. So is Philadelphia going to spread the field? Are they going to be condensed and invite opportunities? It's usually either Cater Kohu, number four in the nickel, or linebacker David Long, uh, 51, who if if they're going to check to adding pressure Sometimes they, they they check to it off of emotion. Sometimes they check to it off of formationally who anatomic or structurally is closer to actually have a, having a threatening rush when coming from depth. So mm -hmm. uh, seeing how that, how they choose to uh, invite that or not invite that will be one thing that that's interesting as the, the kind of the chess match gets started. I will be very fascinated to see if the dolphins choose to do what they did not do against the bills, which was they elected not to play matchups and they allowed each corner to play on a side. And the Buffalo Bills smelled blood in the water very quickly in that regard, and it was Stephon Diggs against second-year corner Cater Kohu, who's been a good player for Miami. He's really good last year down the stretch. He ideally is your nickel, and the Dolphins got some exciting news that Jalen Ramsey's coming back to practice. His 21-day activation window off IR was started today. He practiced, or yesterday, he practiced yesterday. Uh, but he has already been ruled out for Philadelphia, so that's not something for Philadelphia. That's something for potentially New England like next week, potentially Kansas City in week nine. Um, Cater Kohu has had to be the other outside corner for you quite a bit. And when the Bills found out the Dolphins are going to play this quarter, quarter, half, they're going to play quarters, they're going to play uh, week rotation, cover three, so they're, this Fangio nine, and it's just going to be an outside corner with Stefan Diggs, and they're not going to take matchups and try to match Xavier Howard against him, and they're going to leave Cater Kohu out here. They got a lot of action going Cater Kohu's way and fed their best receiver because the Dolphins elected not to try to match personnel. And because of the situation without Jalen Ramsey, what the Dolphins had to do is they had to give a lot of extra structural help to the nickel corner, which in that Bills game was Justin Bethel. So the safeties in this, this same structural defense that both of our teams are implementing, it's tooled from the back forward, and the safeties are really the straw that stirs the drink in a lot of ways from, from coverage perspective. And usually you would see them play, uh, Fangio calls it Zeus, where you cloud the corner up and you play the safety over top and you choose which side is the cover two side for when you're playing six, and you do that to the good receiver and you just tag it to whatever that player is. But they had to, to, put, to put the support over top of the nickel, and it left the isolation on the backside that just became too much of a one-on-one -on -one game that the Dolphins did not have success with. So that's what I'm watching for in this game is 25, and Xavier Howard's dealing with a groin injury. So he's been described as day-to-day. -day. I would expect that he plays. He was very dismissive of any issues after the game uh, against Carolina, and he only missed a handful of plays. 
Uh, I would expect that he will get up and be ready to go for this game for Miami, but it's not a guarantee that that happens. But if 25 is on the field, is he following A.J. Brown around or not? Did they learn their lesson from how they got 48 points hung on them by Buffalo coming into this game against Philadelphia? I think that that's a really interesting matchup. Now, uh, Gino, your number one key to victory for Philadelphia. If the Eagles do this, they win the football game. If the Philadelphia Eagles can hold Tyreek Hill to sub 160 yards because there, there have been some big-time performances from, from some big-time wide receivers going against yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. You talk about Cooper Cup. You talk about earlier in the season with Justin Jefferson, and that's kind of been their benchmark where they're still able to win games if those guys have that threshold. But if you let this guy, and I talk about the snowball effect, and it comes in terms of turnovers like the Eagles last week, they just continue to snowball. But it's like if you watch the Oregon-Washington game, once Michael Penix hits one of those guys deep, it's going to keep coming, and it's just going to keep snowballing. So if Tyreek Hill goes for some gaudy number, that probably means the rest of the field is wide open for the other guys to take advantage of those areas underneath and then you get Jalen Waddle involved and then you get these crazy motions that Mike McDaniel just loves and all of a sudden it's a boat race and you aren't on the side you're you're in a pontoon boat going against a cigarette boat and that's not the game that you want to be in so if Tyreek Hill can stay below that threshold hopefully they kept him in check to a degree which means they kept that passing offense in check which I ultimately think is the trump card that is going to beat Probably 31 other teams in the National Football League if you're putting up some of these offensive performances. And I'll say for Miami, they, they have to change the script for turnovers. Uh, they have not forced a turnover since week three against Denver. They've only forced a single turnover or more in two of their six games that they have played thus far this season. So, uh, And those came in week two, two against the Patriots and three against the Broncos. They haven't logged any turnover since. So for Miami... If you, you, you mentioned earlier in the show, field goals can feel like a losing possession. If you can steal a possession or steal two possessions, either way, it's really going to help you move the needle. Miami is minus six in turnovers the last three weeks, and they have posted a two and one record in that stretch, in large part because they've gone against offenses that can't score points. And Philadelphia, while they're struggling, they're certainly much more potent and capable than what Miami has faced offensively in the last two weeks. So I think that turnover differential, it's a low-hanging fruit thing to point to, but for Miami, it's enough of into the season now where it's starting to be a trend where if you're going to win some of these games against the better teams that you're going to face, you have to make some things happen defensively. You just can't go out there and let it happen offensively and rely on yourself double-dipping at the end of the first half, beginning a second half to get a, an extra possession lead and putting stress on the opposing team. you got to do it yourself. And for Miami, I think that that is what I would point to uh, for the Dolphins as their primary key to victory. But that is going to do it for us here on this crossover Thursday with Gino. I'm Kyle. Make sure you hit subscribe. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Locked on Eagles for everything for the Philadelphia Eagles. Locked on Dolphins for all of your Miami Dolphins coverage. We have an outstanding network with a lot of great talent on it. So check out all of the shows that we have. We hope you guys enjoy this weekend's game. Stay patient. Sunday night will be here before you know it. Gino, best of luck to you guys. Here's to a healthy and entertaining game uh, between the Eagles and the Dolphins. As always, fly, Eagles, fly.